Good afternoon, Year One. This podcast is going to take you through my thoughts on the clinical reasoning cases that I've asked you to work through. I don't expect this will have been a particularly easy exercise. It wasn't meant to be. And so please don't worry if you found it challenging or if you were at a bit of a loss as to how to answer some of the questions. Thinking about thinking, which is what clinical reasoning is, um, is a tricky subject. But I hope you found going through the cases useful. And I also hope you'll find listening to my thoughts on these cases is useful as well. It is worth going back over some of the resources on Canvas, the PowerPoint from the session today, some of the links that I put you through. Um, Because in particular, understanding type one and type two thinking is really helpful when it comes to clinical reasoning. As I think I made clear, this theory of dual process thinking actually didn't arise from the world of medicine, but it has been utilised by a lot of people who have thought about clinical reasoning, how doctors think, how they behave. As you go through the course, we will revisit this subject in a bit more depth. And as I've said just a minute or so ago, please don't worry if you find this tricky at the moment. This is actually quite advanced stuff for year one students. The other thing I'm not going to get too hung up on going through these cases is the clinical subject matter. I will explain that to you, but again, I don't expect you to know it. You know, you're within your first few weeks of the course, and some of these clinical cases are actually quite complex. So again, Uh, Whilst you might find what I say about the clinical context interesting, uh, please don't worry that you need to know it because you don't. Uh, None of these cases really refer to clinical systems that you will be dealing with in year one. And actually that's deliberate so that you don't over worry about the clinical content. So if we go to our first patient Grace and Cozy. One thing I'm just going to suggest you do is just stop at the slide that shows a picture of Grace. And just think about from a doctor's perspective, the type of reaction that doctors or health professionals have as soon as a patient walks into a room. Whether we like it or not, we are uh, impacted by first impressions, and we will make a number of very quick decisions about patients and about each other based on appearance. Some of those will be positive impressions, some of those less so. And we will, whether we know it or not, make a number of presumptions about that patient, even before they've opened their mouth. And these are all examples of type one thinking. This is our very quick circuitry in the brain and drawing a number of conclusions from very limited information. Some of that born of past experience. So with a new patient, as Grace is, uh, her GP will 
as soon as she walks through the door, probably as soon as she sees the name on the appointment list, be starting to have thoughts about grace, some of which are helpful and some of which may be misleading. So again, I mentioned I wasn't going to get too hung up on the medical aspects of this, but even as students fairly early in the course, and if we look at slide seven, which describes Grace's symptoms, those are medically worrying symptoms. Uh, a young woman who is losing weight, who is unusually tired, is experiencing joint pain. So that's a slightly unusual story. Grace doesn't come to the doctors very often. And again, her, her GP, uh, if the GP becomes aware of that, may well draw a number of conclusions from that fact. GPs have prejudices about patients who see their doctors a lot and doctors who hardly ever consult with their doctors. Uh, a common conversation to be had around a patient is, well, you know, he or she hardly ever comes. So the fact they're here may well be telling me something. And also the GP picks up on the fact that uh, Grace previously emigrated from South Africa. And again, there is a likelihood that Grace's GP will look at that with some interest and we'll draw a number of conclusions from it. Now, the GP may have views about patients from South Africa. They may have other patients from that part of the world. Uh, they may be from there themselves or have worked in South Africa. So I think I'm laboring the point here that as well as the medical history, there are all sorts of other things going on that will be coloring the GP's clinical impression. So again, Kahneman would describe this as type one thinking. And we'll talk a little bit more about um, that further into the course. But also the GP is likely to be applying type one thinking with this story that Grace gives. The GP's immediate impression is likely to be, um, I think this woman's coming with a serious problem. Now, another GP on another day might come to a different conclusion and say, you know, their type one impression might be, well, this can't possibly be true. I think I'm dealing with someone who likes to exaggerate their symptoms. In a sense, I just want to get the point across that there will be quick conclusions drawn about the seriousness of the problem, the nature of the problem. And, and there will also be conclusions drawn about the patient herself. And this is all type one thinking. This is doing very little analysis. Um, you're not really engaging your brain in active thought. Uh, this is very much, you know, front part of the brain, immediate impressions. Um, and again, I want to get across the point that type one thinking is not a bad thing. We do it automatically. We don't think about it, and it's valuable. So this isn't to say that it's wrong that the doctor thinks this way, but there needs to be an awareness that that's what's happening, because some type one thinking needs to be corrected.
If we go on to slide eight, we can see what the GP actually does. And what we're seeing here is that the GP appears to have made a diagnosis that Grace may have AIDS as a cause of her symptoms. And perhaps as a result of making that diagnosis, does not take a thorough enough history or examine Grace. So again, what is probably at play here is type one thinking. So type one thinking can lead to um, premature conclusions. So whilst the GP will, may have all sorts of reasons for suspecting AIDS as a type one thought, and it may be correct, Grace as uh, somebody from sub-Saharan Africa with the symptoms she has, that would be a diagnostic possibility here. But we can see that rather than progressing to type two thinking and thinking through what else might be going on, the GP is really stopping at their first conclusion. Now there's a term for this called pattern recognition. Um, and we will talk later in the course about the type of bias that this leads to. But this has led the BGP to take an unbalanced view. So the investigation organised by the GP is based at their initial diagnosis. It may turn out to be correct. We don't know yet whether the GP is right or wrong about their thoughts. He's going to see Grace after her blood test. And it's possible at that point that the GP may need to employ type two thinking. So if Grace's HIV test turns out to be negative, that may encourage the GP to reconsider his thoughts on the situation. So in this first case, it appears as if the GP has formed a view quickly of what's going on. That may be based on past experience. The GP may um, have seen lots of other patients like Grace. There may be a large South African immigrant population in his um, practice area. And he may have simply experienced the fact that he has seen patients presenting similarly, um, a number of whom turn out to be HIV positive. It's possible he has no patients from South Africa at all in his area and has beliefs about um, the prevalence of HIV in sub-Saharan African patients. But what I think we can say with a degree of confidence here, and you know, slide eight exemplifies this, is that type one thinking appears to have interfered with the GP turning on the thinking part of their brain that forms hypotheses, that draws up probabilities. And, and were that to be the case, uh, were the GP to have employed type two thinking, he would probably have organized other investigations other than an HIV test. 
there are a number of other blood tests you would want to do in this situation with these symptoms. Uh, and a thinking GP would at this stage want for Grace to have a chest X-ray, both because it's relevant to um, HIV AIDS, but also another possibility for Grace would be pulmonary tuberculosis, which is a lung disease. And actually you will learn about that in the respiratory block. So I hope you found that first case useful. You may well have found it difficult to work through it, but it is really helpful to think about how doctors are thinking when they see a patient. And you can see in this situation how the doctor's use of type one thinking may work extremely well here. He may be absolutely right. He, and that may have allowed him to make an early diagnosis of a serious medical problem. But it may be that the GP has been too quick to jump to a conclusion that could result in a misdiagnosis, or it may result in a delayed diagnosis for grace. And also, patients like to be listened to, they like to be taken seriously, and Grace may well leave that consultation uh, less than happy about how she's treated. She may have felt she wasn't listened to, and she may be unhappy that her GP has jumped to conclusions about what is wrong with her. So that's Grace, and we will now move on to case two. Our second case is Nabil, who is presenting with back pain. GP, if we go to slide 11, notes that Nabil's had back pain in the past. Um, the GP knows this because she's looked at Nabil's medical records and has seen this in his medical summary. And again, this is an interesting one about conclusions that may be drawn from past experience, either of that patient or somebody else. Now, that, that may generate some type one thinking. There may be immediate conclusions drawn, drawn from that. Or it may cause the GP to start thinking in a bit more detail about what may be going on. So it can be a stimulus to more considered type two thinking. If we go to case, oh sorry, to slide 12, whether the GP has used type 1 or type 2 thinking, she has come to a conclusion that Nabil is presenting in a similar way um, as he has in the past with what's called simple mechanical back pain, which is straightforward muscular ache in the back, and she treats him accordingly. But at that point, the bill says, actually, this feels a bit different. GP's response is to say that she'll organise an X-ray. Now, it's possible that at this point, the GP is thinking a little bit more because she now has additional information. So sometimes you can switch from type 1 to type 2 thinking when either clinical information or other information changes your mindset. 
interestingly, there's quite a lot of evidence to show that once a type one opinion has been formed, it can be remarkably difficult to shift it, even in the face of new evidence. But actually, on this occasion, the GP has paid attention to Nabil and has thought, okay, well, let's let's get an X-ray. Now, I would argue that X-rays of the lower back, and again, don't, don't sweat the clinical detail, you're not meant to know this, uh, are often unhelpful. There may be other things the GP could have considered doing. Nevertheless, she has changed her thought process a little. So that's the first time Nabil consults. If we go to case three, uh, this is Nabil coming back again. Tells the GP he's got worsening pain. And that causes the GP, before she does anything very much, to ask the more detailed questions and then examine him, which she didn't actually do the first time he consulted. So this sounds like the GP is starting to use more considered thought. Why is his pain worse? What's different this time? What else do I need to think about as a doctor here? And lo and behold, when she goes to examine the bill and removes his shirt, she finds uh, the rash that's there in the photograph. Now, some of you might recognise this because you might have seen it. Many of you won't. But if we go to slide 16, the GP is absolutely right that Nabil has shingles, which is a viral infection. It's the same virus that causes chickenpox, and it breaks out along nerves, often the nerves in the back or the thorax. And the rash that you can see is very characteristic of shingles. And the GP goes on to prescribe the correct medication and says he doesn't need his x-ray anymore. Bob's your uncle. We see here, I think, a shift from the GP who has engaged in type two thinking, hypothesis forming, asking more detailed questions, examining him. Then pretty much the moment the bill removes his shirt, um, she's into type one thinking. She will have seen this a hundred times before, knows exactly what it is, and doesn't need to give this any thought whatsoever. And she will very rapidly put together Nabil's rash and his symptoms and form a treatment plan without really engaging the thinking part of her brain at all. And she's almost certainly right, actually. It is almost certainly the case that this completely explains Nabil's symptoms. And I agree with her decision that he doesn't need an X-ray. But again, a slight note of caution, Nabil does have shingles, but you just need to be sure enough that that's all that's going on. Has he got shingles and something else? But by taking a more detailed history and examining him more thoroughly, the GP will hopefully have done a fair amount to exclude some of the other things that may be going on. But if Nabil comes back with symptoms that are different, 
into the future, she may need to think again. And that's a very normal practice in medicine, and it's good medical practice to think again. We can't always get it right first time. We shouldn't try to get it right. Things change, and you then need to change your thinking. And that's an example of type two thought. It's where you take new information, contextualize it, and then reset your own thoughts around the medical diagnosis. If we go to the last case, case four, iris. Now, again, you won't have done eyes, but I hope that, well, pretty sure, that looking at that photograph of Iris's eyes, even as non-experienced year one medical students, will cause you to sit up and take notice. That is not a normal looking eye. And that's a type one response. You know, we know what eyes are supposed to look like. We look at Iris's eye and we think, my goodness, that doesn't look like a normal eye. The um, pupils cloudy and distorted there's a lot more redness in the eye than you would see in a healthy eye. So that's what the GP is, you know, this trainee GP gets to see. Also, she gets to hear a story that's worrying, you know, really painful eye, loss of sight in the eye. Now, again, you haven't done this, you'll do eyes next year, but as you might imagine, Losing sight in the eye is clearly a worry. It's suggestive of more significant eye disease than straightforward, you know, eye problems. Now, this is a trainee GP. So she's a relatively inexperienced doctor. So she'll have all of these type one thoughts. And her type one thought, you know, may go no further than my goodness, this looks terrible. I'm not altogether sure what it is. She may um, know, and she may have seen it, but she will have a type one reaction. So if we go on to slide 20, it describes what the GP trainee does. And it, it looks as if the trainee at least has thought as far as a might benefit from some advice here, which is an example of type two thinking. You know, she is giving due consideration to the clinical presentation. But because she can't get advice, she thinks, well, it does look a bit like something I've seen before. And maybe if I treat it as that, we'll be all right. So she treats it as conjunctivitis, which she has seen before, which is a straightforward and simple eye infection. Many of you will have had it. You treat it with drops, it goes away in a few days. But the point that's interesting on this slide is that she does that in spite of the fact that she knows that the story, the level of pain Iris is describing is unusual. And I mentioned before that it can be difficult to shift a type one thought, even if the evidence suggests otherwise. And then if we go to slide 21, we see that the GP trainee uh, indeed was incorrect 
about her diagnosis, Iris actually had a condition called angle closure glaucoma, which is a serious condition where there is a sudden increase in pressure in the eye. Uh, and Iris sadly loses the sight in that left eye. Now, that might have happened anyway, you know, even if she'd had an earlier diagnosis. But we can see here where this GP trainee has shifted between type one and type two thinking. And because of that, uh, an incorrect diagnosis was made and incorrect management was made. And poor Iris has potentially suffered. Well, she has suffered, but she may have suffered as a result of the GP trainee's wrong uh, medical advice. Because had Iris got to hospital on the day she saw the GP, it's possible that she could have had treatment that would have saved her sight. So I hope you found going through those cases is useful. As I said right at the start, it's really important that we recognise that these are quite complicated concepts. And the purpose of teaching you now is not so that you develop in-depth understanding of clinical decision making, but it's really to start you thinking about it. You'll learn a lot as you go through the course about diagnoses and clinical signs and clinical symptoms. And we imagine that doctors work methodically through their kind of history-taking clinical examination investigations before reaching diagnosis and forming treatment plans. In reality, whilst doctors uh, do indeed function like that, they also employ more basic assessment methodology and use quite a bit of type one thinking, which is based on past experience, pattern recognition, and, and sometimes um, leads to error because of bias. And we will talk more about that as we go into other sessions. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, it's been good to talk to you and we will catch up soon. Take care. Bye-bye.